where's that in terms of your threshold? Is that a zone two ride or where is it sitting? It's, I think, currently, I'm not sure because I don't really know much about training. I have a coach and he's, <laughs> he's taking care of me. So I just have to, to, uh, to ride my bike. My holidays are to refill your, your battery and to enjoy your time. And the best possibility for me is uh, yeah, to do a race like Badlands. So for me, it was a perfect holiday. For me, it's, it is like, okay, if it hurts, it's perfect. Because if it hurts me, the others, there's not a life anymore. <laughs> Welcome to the Romance Cycling Podcast. My name is Anthony Walsh. Six days a week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey towards health, happiness, and longevity. Now let's get into the show. It's episode 579 of the Romance Cycling Podcast. Today, I welcome the Badlands winner, Sebastian Brewer. Roadman, welcome back to another edition of the Roadman Cycling Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down to chat with the winner of Badlands, Sebastian Brewer. If you've been following the podcast, you'll know I attended Badlands this year. Myself and Aaron Kearney suited up in the team's event. I didn't have brilliant luck out there. My DI2 packed up really early and I never got to truly experience Badlands. It's one I'm planning to go back and knock that off my bucket list next year. Going into the event, myself and Aaron were banging WhatsApps back and forward, like what lights to use? How do you charge your Garmin? How do you charge your phone? What sleeping system are you bringing? And even up to the night before the event, we were like, should we bring a ground mat? Should we not bring a ground mat? You've no idea. Like throw me into a bike race, throw me into a stage race. I know exactly what to bring. I know what to bring for every type of bike race, except this type stuff. It's a totally different rule book. And these were not rules I knew anything about. You know, I ran an exposure light, which was brilliant. Uh, having said that, I never got to the dark, but it was brilliant during the day. In theory, it was brilliant, but it was battery charged. So I had to bring a big power bank, a 20,000 amp hour power bank to charge this. I later realized chatting with people like Lael Wilcox that you can use a dynamo hub and that charges your light on the go. So we have these categories of things, stuff we know, stuff we don't know, and then stuff we don't even know we don't know. And this conversation with Sebastian Brewer shined a light on that latter category, stuff I don't even know I don't know. Everything from how he tested his bike bags. He was in the wind tunnel and he was on the track optimizing which bike bags were the fastest. He was using custom-made aero bars, but everything from nutrition to lighting to sleeping strategies to pacing, it was dialed. Nothing was left to chance. The accumulation of marginal gains, which British cycling has been famous for, he's taken that very same approach and mixed it with a bit of German efficiency, and he's pulled an absolutely spectacular result. He is the winner of the European and German mountain bike championships in 2021. He's the winner of this year's Badlands, and now he's turned his focus to more ultra and endurance events. Before I jump into today's show, I'm fascinated with the thread that links top performers, those who succeed from those who don't. The single biggest indicator as to whether a roadman coaching client hits their goals or not, it's whether they use a power meter. As a coach, it gives me access to a world of data. Coaching without a power meter, it's like going out sailing without a compass. The brand I've used for a decade and the one I recommend to clients every day of the week is Stages. 
And I'm super happy to now have Stages as a show sponsor. It's water resistant, plus or minus 1.5% accuracy, 200 hours battery life off a single coin cell battery and handmade in Boulder, Colorado. I'm trusting Stages, I have for over a decade and the best in the world have trusted it, including five Tour de France victories and counting. If you head over to stagescycling.com and use code ROADMAN at checkout, that's going to get you 20% off full price parameters and factory install service. That's stagescycling.com and use the code ROADMAN at checkout. Ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome to the Roadman Cycling Podcast, Mr. Sebastian Brewer. Sebastian, welcome to the Roman Cycling Podcast. Thanks a lot for the invitation and nice to be here. So I was in Badlands for a very brief period. I was on a team in Badlands and I had a mechanical, I think it was the first person to DNF Badlands. My DI2 broke off the very first descent. Remember the descent that had like the two bollards in the middle of the road right at the start? Oh, that's, uh, first of all, that's not too nice. Yeah, I think uh, DNF at Badlands is uh, not a nice option to quit the race. So yeah, I'm really sorry for this. I remember seeing you over the top, I don't know, it was maybe like eight, nine left in the front group. And I remember saying to my teammate, this guy has like 3D printed aero bars. I was like, we're so fucked. Like we're so badly prepared for this. <laughs> Were you riding 3D printed bars? No, no, it's uh, from from Vida, uh, an Italian brand. It's not uh, 3D printed, but it's, I think, for the pro athletes. So um, you can buy it, but I think in, in that color option, it's it's just for the pro athletes and for me. <laughs> so I think that's as good a place as any to start. I'd like to talk about, because I went into Badlands as a total newbie, and I know since releasing my podcast on Badlands a lot of our listeners have expressed interest about doing it next year and obviously you're the winner of Badlands this year if anyone didn't know congratulations thanks a lot so I want to dive in and talk about preparation for Badlands everything from bike to nutrition to course recce so from a regular gravel bike what was your setup like talk us through it Ooh, I think uh, from a regular gravel bike I think the main difference is the bags well, my choice was just uh, to carry some food. So I just have to carry uh, two bigger bags uh, on my back and also on my seat post and in my frame. And yeah, for sure that arrow bars, um, I use them at uh, Unbound as well. But I think all the other stuff is the same like on a normal gravel bike, I think. And you were obviously going through knowing you weren't going to sleep, so you didn't bring bivy or any sort of sleep system. Yes, that's true. Um, I just had some, some arm warmers with me and a lot of food. That's everything. How planned out is your nutrition strategy? I had Lael Wilcox on who won the female version of Badlands and I was just thinking she was going to have this cool dialed in nutrition strategy, grams of carbohydrates per kilogram of body weight per hour. And she was just like, no, I just ate ice cream whenever I could. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest problem at Badlands is uh, the possibility to, to refill because in the desert there's nothing. You can't really refill, so you have to carry a lot of water with you. Um, on my on my bag, I had a, a hydration bag with, I think, 
two or three liters of uh, water, then in my frame, two bottles of water and under my frame, one more. But uh, the bottle under my frame was uh, filled with, with coffee for the night. And yeah, in my bags, there were just bars and, and jails. So I think you really have to take care about your planning because while crossing the, the, the desert, it's not possible to refill. So you have to look for, for bigger cities like Almeria, for example, and then you really have to take all the food you can get. And did you have a pacing strategy? Were you using a power meter or was it all off perceived effort? No, no. I, I talked to my coach um, before the race a lot about that. And uh, yeah, my, my pacing was like, I think, 192, 200 watts. Yeah, that was my, my pacing. And it, where's that in terms of your threshold? Is that a zone two ride or where is it sitting? It's, uh, I think, currently, I'm not sure because I don't really know much about training because uh, I have a coach and <laughs> he's, he's taking care of me. So I just have to, to, uh, to ride my bike. But I think it's about 360, I think. So it's funny, some athletes, yeah, I get to chat with a lot of pro athletes on the podcast and some athletes are so dialed in their training and they love to know every aspect about it. And then other guys are just totally hands off. They're like the same as I would look at, you know, hiring a plumber to fix the sink. I'm like, I, I don't want to know, just fix the sink. <laughs> just don't tell me the detail. Yeah, I think too much detail isn't isn't good for me because uh, I, I really like to take care of, of my bike and, and aerodynamic stuff. But I think uh, stuff like training and uh, nutrition, I think there are guys who know, like, like my coach, for example, who knows yeah, much more about that. So uh, for me, it's, hey, just tell me what I have to do. And yeah, I will do that if it's, if it's possible. <laughs> how, how geeky did you go on the bike? I see you ride a Rose bike, which is pretty cool. I haven't seen them in quite a while. And I actually rode for a French team in 2012 and we were sponsored by Rose bikes. So when I was flicking on your Instagram, I was like, whoa, there's a blast from the past. It's good to see them still going strong. Yeah, it's, for me, it's it's the most beautiful gravel bike. Uh, and, and yeah, for sure, the, the road bike is uh, beautiful as well. Yeah, I, I started uh, my my cooperation with Rosa beginning of uh, this season, and I'm really happy. And uh, yeah, now they are happy to support me for my next projects, even uh, for uh, 2023 and 2024. And do you do any sort of aftermarket? you know modifications to the bike i know i've seen you using some ceramic speed stuff in the past did you pimp the bike for badlands with anything like that yeah um, i'm using that ceramic speed stuff uh, like uh, the pulley wheels and a special a special uh, chain the ufu chain i think that was one of the most important things on my bike because i never had to take care of my chain. Um, it was the same like unbound. That's really nice because uh, 800Ks uh, through the desert. Yeah, that's crazy for, for the chain. And for me, it was like, hey, no problem. Uh, I don't have to take care about that. What's the chain called? Uh, Ufo chain from Ceramic Speed. Ufa, I haven't heard them. So what's the deal with this? What's the kind of unique selling point with it? I think the main difference is um, it's not with oil. It's with that kind of wax. So no dirt uh, on your chain. How long does it last? Um, I'm not sure, um, but uh, Badlands was no problem. So that was uh, 800Ks. So it's like something you would get and put on for a specific event and then go back to a regular chain for training? Yeah, yeah, sure. 
That's pretty cool. And you're the first person I've ever heard of. Now, granted, I'm quite new into the scene, but you're the first person I've seen that gives a lot of thought to aerodynamics while carrying bags. Yeah, I think that's important because my first experience about aerodynamics and, and long-distance races was uh, was a transcontinental race in, in June. And we tested a lot about that um, on the velodrome in, in the winter. For example, um, I'm working with Tailfin. They, they gave me that special rack. And for me, that's a perfect combination of aerodynamic and for sure to, to carry all my stuff with that special rack. And after the testing on the velodrome, uh, we realized that the combination of aero bars and that rack makes me, I think, 13 watts faster. And I think that's a lot. That is a lot. And especially over an event like Badlands, 13 watts yes. can end up being hours at the end. Yeah. And I think it's important to have a position uh, that's comfortable for you. And for me, that was like being on my own sofa uh, at home. So for me, the aero bar stuff is, is quite nice because uh, I started cycling uh, with road racing and I was, a, I think, good time trialist. And for me, it was every time about uh, being aerodynamics as most as possible, but on the same time um, to have a position you're comfortable with. Yeah, that was the main point to, to use that aero bars at Badlands. Is there a specific brand of bag that you found to be the fastest? Bike or or part? Either or, or both. I think pff, bike is, oh, that's difficult because last year I was on, on, on another brand and it was a really aerodynamic uh, gravel bike. But I think well, that kind of bike was not perfect for gravel racing. Yeah. And my, my current bike is, it's comfortable, but on the same time, it's perfect for gravel because you, you, you can't destroy it. And uh, I think that's that's really important. And for for specific parts, I think error bars and and uh, smaller details. For example, your your uh, Garmin mount, for example, uh, put your Garmin uh, on the right place and not not uh, on the handlebar. I think it's better to to put it, yeah, in in front of the handlebar, for example. And socks, for example, uh, a friend of mine. Uh, Jasper Ökelon uh, is running his own sock company and he's really deep into aerodynamics and he tested a lot about that. He told me that socks are really important for for aerodynamics so, or your, your helmet, for example. I think all the small details make you even faster. And I've seen people for the first time in Badlands using the tail fin. And if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, it's this kind of cool carbon fiber so when i've been bike packing in the past i've had the bag that clamps onto the saddle and then onto your saddle pillar but the problem with that is when you get out of the saddle to climb it kind of sways around and it feels a little bit like you're towing a trailer behind you but tail fin is this like cool carbon sleek rack that minimally mounts doesn't add much extra weight and it stops that swaying how good is that to ride yeah, Tailfin is just perfect for me because, uh, like you said, that that mess uh, with that normal bikepacking uh, bag from from your seat post. I don't like that because um, Tailfin is so much stiffer. For example, when on a normal bikepacking trip, you you reach the hotel or you you stay for for the night, 
And uh, with, a, with a telephone rack, it's easy to, to reach all your clothes, for example, or your food um, if it's inside the rack bag. So it's yeah easy in handling. It's, it's really fast. And I think uh, mounting and dismounting is just easy. And um, would you, in an event like Badlands, would you opt for a battery that's charged off your hub? Uh, I'm using a, a Dynamo. Yeah. Yeah, a special hub. And I was able to reload my phone, for example. Currently, I'm using the new Garmin device at Edge, Edge uh, with Solar. And so I just need the, the hub for, for, my, for my front and back lamp. And uh, what's the Garmin Solar like? I've seen a lot of people using them. It's worth, yeah. the, worth the money? Yes, it was perfect because I never had to recharge it. And 43 hours without recharging is, uh, yeah, it's quite nice. Do you ever get frustrated that you can't watch certain live sports events because they aren't televised or available in your country? Or like what happened to me recently when I was bikepacking around Spain. I had to miss out on watching all my favourite shows because I couldn't access the streaming service because they were geo-blocked. Well, I want to introduce you to my solution. It's called NordVPN and it allows me to switch my virtual location to a country that is showing the sports event or show that I want to watch so I don't miss out. Not only that, but in this day and age, I'm getting increasingly more concerned about cybercrime with people stealing my private data and invading my privacy. Luckily, NordVPN is a one-stop shop for all things cybersecurity. It's incredibly easy to use with just one click and protect it. And you don't have to be a tech genius to use it. Honestly, my mom's using it and she can hardly use the remote control sometimes. With my NordVPN account, I can have six devices protected and I no longer have to worry about hackers, malicious sites and pop-ups. It's the price of a cup of coffee every month and it's a small price to pay for premium cybersecurity and access to a vast amount of entertaining content from all over the world. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash roadman. That's nordvpn.com forward slash roadman to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four months for free. And it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. I'm going to put all the details for this offer into today's show notes. A lot of people listen to the podcast because I'm kind of pushing the alternate uh, cycling agenda. So, you know, for a long time, we talked the usual classics, grand tours, and maybe it's a mirror of where my own cycling development is going at the moment. I'm starting to explore more events like Badlands. And now I've had like uh, Leo Wilcox on the podcast and I've had some other ultra endurance guys on. I'm starting to get inquisitive and my audience is starting to get inquisitive. I was like, what's next? What can I do next? They've heard about Badlands. Talk to me about Transcontinental. What is it? When does it take place? And who is it suitable for? It's difficult for me because on, on the one hand, it's it's a nice idea to, to ride through across Europe uh, in a race. Uh, 4,500 Ks of racing, uh, I think in nine or 10 days against the best in the, in the world, I think. The problem is in, in self-supported races, there are two kinds of, of self-supported races. Uh, there's one kind like Badlands that you've got the, the route and you just have to follow the, the route. And there's an event like uh, TCR uh, where you have to do your own route. 
the most fastest road is always on a big road and that's terrible because uh, you you're going to miss that beautiful landscape and it's really dangerous uh, with other vehicles so for me transcontinental is not an option anymore because I really felt in love with with events like like Badlands. It's it's such a new or a nice landscape. The transcontinental is quite difficult uh, regarding the organization, and uh, you have to pay a lot for stuff like like media license of your sponsors and and something like that. I think TCR has to change his mind um, in in the next few years otherwise it could get difficult for them to keep the event uh, stay alive i think are you attracted by any of the races you know the kind of likes of the ones across the mountains in kyrgyzstan or any of these ones like the atlas mountain race yes um i can tell you that uh, my next big uh, race is a uh, race across the andes in, in chile coming november and i think my biggest goal for next year is atlas mountain race in february so two really big races uh, in that long distance world of cycling. We're kind of used to road cyclists having quite a cyclical body clock where they, they race all the way through the summer, typically finish up a season around Worlds or maybe Il Lombardia, take a break, take the foot off the gas a little bit into New Year and then start building condition into New Year, tour down under, etc. and then get back into the season. Is there a similar sort of ebb and flow to the ultra endurance season? Or the last couple of years, it was the same for me. Uh, starting with a season in spring and ending uh, in October and doing that uh, three to four week break and then restart training for, for the next season. And this year, I think it's it's a kind of a new world for me just just do that uh, one week of holidays with my wife and then restarting my training i think in two weeks uh, for for chile and for atlas mountain race so for me it's the first time doing this program and doing my my normal break in next spring but for me it's perfect because in spring there are a lot of spring classics and i have to take care about uh the pro athletes racing as a spring classics for, for our Schwalbe brand here in Germany because I'm working as a liaison manager at Schwalbe. So for me, it's perfect to do a schedule like this. I think that's what's quite unique about your story. Normally when I'm chatting to riders of your caliber, they're professional bike riders, but you're still balancing a full-time job with one of the biggest tire companies in the world, Schwalbe. Like, how do you manage to balance high-performance sport and a full-time career? <laughs> Good question. I think the most important part is my wife. Uh, without her, it's not possible for me uh, to do it like that. At home, uh, we have a little dog, for example. And, and in the last couple of weeks, um, I was on the road for, for a long time. Yesterday, I came back from the World Champs and Gravel, for example. And yeah, the, the balance, I think, is, is uh, to have a good schedule. For, for the whole week or for the whole month. And yeah, to have a wonderful wife, I think that's that's a secret. Is Schwalbe a company that's supportive of your endeavors? They give you paid time off work to go and do Badlands, Atlas Mountain Race, or are they holidays you have to take? No, that's uh, that my holidays. But um, for me, that's perfect because um, my holidays are to refill your, your battery and to enjoy your time and the best possibility for me 
is uh, yeah to do a race like Badlands. So for me, it was a perfect holiday. How many hours would you get in in a typical training week now, trying to balance work around you know personal obligations? Yeah, I think that depends on my schedule, but I think 15 to 20 hours per week is my training schedule. Still quite a lot. Yeah, I think so. But for me, it's I'm enjoying every minute of it to go out of, of the office or the home office and, and yeah, to have um, some training or some, some bike riding. is For me, it's, it's a perfect combination after a stressful day of work. And do you fit that in just like where a gap allows or are you regimental and like training happens first thing in the morning or last thing at night? Well, that depends on, on the schedule. Uh, I think there are times like like last week, um, there was uh, the, the World Championships and Triathlon at Kona and it's the same weekend, uh, the Gravel World Championships. So a lot of meetings uh, in two different time zones and then I have to really take care of that schedule and if there is some time i'm going for a bike ride and if there's no time yeah i have to work that's it schwabi is such a cool job especially you know as a newbie coming into the sport the main question i have and the main question i get asked from people who are like one chapter behind me is about tires like we raced a gravel race a couple of weeks ago at the weekend it was like a local 100 kilometer race 2000 meters of climb and with some hard pack gravel, but then some looser stuff. And I ran like a 44 mil tire with some nobbles on it. But it's like, I don't know if like a 42 mil tire with slick would have been a faster setup. How, like when you're in this world of tires, how do we make sense of the correct tire choice? It's all about experience. Um, for me, for example, at the American Gravel event Unbound, uh, we, we launched a new gravel tire. And I think currently it's one of the fastest in the, in the world. And uh, I started uh, riding this tire, I think, one year before. And I spent a lot of time with that tire. And for me, I think yeah, I know everything about that tire. And it's not too difficult to choose uh, the right one. For example, for the World Championships last week, there was a question, okay, okay uh, which tire size? 35 or 40 or 45? And I know everything about the tire, especially about aerodynamics, rolling resistance, pyre, uh, puncture resistance. And uh, yeah, I think it's all about experience about the tires. What's the name of that Schwalbe tire? That's a Schwalbe G1 RS. G1 RS. And what sizes is that coming? Uh, 35, 40, and 45. Okay, so I rode a 44 for the weekend. So say I rode the Schwalbe 45. Yeah. And, and I've decided that that's the correct tire for me based on my experience. Now my next question becomes, what pressure do I run that tire at? Do you use that pressure calculation solely based off a rider's weight or is there other considerations? Yeah, it's, it depends on, on, on your rim, on the tire, I think, on your, uh, on your system, for example. Are you going with a tube or without tube, tubeless? Um, your weight, for example, that, all that uh, stuff is quite important to find the right pressure. And, like I said, uh, your experience. Because when I'm taking part in a race... I try to learn everything about the course. For example, last weekend there was a world championships in, in gravel in Italy, 
and I checked the whole course, uh, 180K, some days before to have the real, the perfect uh, pressure for my for my setup. Yeah, I think that depends on your experience with a tire. Some guys really prefer to to ride with lower pressure, other ones with a bit higher pressure. Um, I'm a guy who likes to to ride with higher pressure, but I think that depends on uh, every rider. And would you default to riding tubeless normally? Yeah, I think uh, last time I, I touched a, a tube was four or five years ago. <laughs> normally, I think every time for, for me, it's every time um, all about tubeless systems. But for example, at Badlands, I had two spare tubes with me, but yeah, just spare tubes. No need for that. So I looked at the weekend watching the Gravel Worlds, Daniel Oss, who got second in the Elite Men's. I see in, on his saddle pillar, it looked like he had a kind of sealant with him. Like if you're running a tubeless setup, would you typically bring just plugs and CO2 cans or would you also bring sealant? Yeah, just uh, plugs and uh, CO2. So what's the idea of the sealant that he's bringing? Uh, just in case it's a big rip? I think that's a special sealant. It's more like a form. Um, I know that from, from mountain bike racing, but never tested before, to be honest. Interesting. Uh, so what's next? What's exciting you at the moment? If you look ahead for, you know, if we have a chat it's this time next year, or this time two years, what's the big plans, the big dominoes you'd like to knock over? I think my big goals are Kyrgyzstan, um, Silk Road Mountain Race. Amazing. And uh, going to the U.S., for for some racing like unbound for one more time yeah i think that the big goals for for the next one or two years how's unbound that's a race i'm tempted to do next year um this year uh, i take part in that uh, 200 miles race that was uh yeah, it was a crazy one because a lot of pro athletes uh try to win that race and it was really really fast i think one of the hardest workouts the whole year and next year i'm Currently, I'm thinking about that XL race uh, with 350 miles. It sounds brutal. Yeah. <laughs> but to be honest, Unbound, for, for me, it was like a dream this year because I was 16 in the end. It was it's what it was, it was a perfect result for, for myself. And uh, we just won it with, with that uh, Dutch guy, Eva who won that uh, pro race and uh, he's in Schwalbe athlete. So it was, yeah, it was like a dream come true. What do you think makes you successful in these races? Obviously you're a fit guy, but what makes you gravitate and more precisely, more than just gravitate, what makes you a champion at the ultra distance? Is it sleep deprivation? Is it fatigue resistance? Is it, you know, your process and fuel over longer periods better? I think you you have to be resistant uh, against everything. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's quite difficult to say because um, everybody, I think it's not the same for everyone else because um, some guys like long distance racing others uh, don't like it i think it's it's a kind of uh, mental game for example being really really tired in the race and for me it's like okay the other guys are tired now it's my time to to go full gas you have to be the strongest in all views 
So you're almost looking for that point of fatigue the same way if I'm doing a interval and I'm trying to, you know, win road races. When I get to that point when I want to quit doing an interval, there's one voice on one shoulder saying, okay, quit. But then the voice on the other shoulder saying, okay, this is the only moment you've been training for. This is the only part that matters because everyone else is training as hard as this. Now it matters. So you're having this same dialogue with sleep deprivation and fatigue when you get to a point where you're like, oh, this is really hard, I'm really suffering. That's when you have to double down and make the separation. Yeah, for me, it's, it is like, okay, if it hurts, it's perfect. Because if it hurts me, the others, they are still uh, not alive anymore. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a good point for me to be that resistant. Funny side fact is um, for, for Badlands, for example, most of the guys uh, are thinking, okay, you have to train long, long, long uh, stuff. For example, nine to 10 hours uh, endurance rides or stuff like that. But for me, um, it was like training with that really short in intensive intervals, like 30 to 30, 20 to 40, 40 to 20. And uh, yeah, it was brutal. But yeah, in the end, it worked out. You're just training like a road racer, essentially. Yes. And uh, it was pretty cool seeing Juan Antonio Fletcher, I'd say, rolling up on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think I think Juan Antonio was uh, really tired uh, at the end of Badlands. Oh, he, he was in a bad way. I, I don't even think he brought any food or water. He just had a camera with him. I was thinking he's going to be eating that camera after two days. Yeah. I was joking to him uh, at the start because... Um, he was like uh, putting the camera on his back and I was thinking, okay, that's crazy for the whole race because uh, the roads are really bumpy and, and uh, yeah, it's not easy to ride them uh, with, with a camera on your back. But I think for him it worked out, but yeah, he was really, he was really tired. Sebastian, thanks very much for chatting to me on the Roadman Podcast. Thanks a lot and see you soon. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Have you ever wondered how good you could actually be? Each of us has a unique set of circumstances with work, family and social obligations, but we also want to fulfill our potential in cycling. Okay, okay, maybe you won't ever win the Tour de France, but for most of us, this is what cycling is about. So let us build you the perfect training plan around your lifestyle that's totally unique to you and will help you finally realize your cycling dreams. So whether you're just getting started on the bike or if you're a more seasoned cyclist, we have a suitable coach for you. So why not schedule a call with us and we can have a chat about how we can help you go further than you ever dreamed of in your cycling and fitness goals. Go to roadmancycling.com forward slash contact or pop me an email directly to sarah at roadmancycling.com.